bonjour and welcome to another episode of Everyone Hates Marketers.com, the no fluff, actionable marketing podcast for people sick of marketing bullshit. I'm your host, Louis Grenier. After four years, 175 episodes recorded, 9,625 minutes of no bullshit content published, and 1 million plus downloads reached, I felt it was time to shake things up a bit. You see, I want to help you radically stand out because I firmly believe it's the only way for you to succeed without marketing bullshit. So moving forward, each episode is going to be around 20 minutes long. Each episode is going to be super practical where I'm going to teach you one way to radically stand out that you can apply to your business today. I'm going to use snippets of past interviews, the lessons I've learned from my own experience and plenty of concrete examples. Oh, and one last thing. I'm also turning each of those episodes into the only newsletter focusing on differentiation and positioning so you can read at your own pace and remember the concept I'm teaching. If it's of interest, I hope you'll sign up today on everyonehatesmarketers.com. I'll also notify you when I launch new stuff and products and you can win rewards for referring other mavericks to the newsletter like branded cups and t-shirts and posters and private group coaching and plenty of other nice little surprises. All right, on to the podcast. So when I was a teenager, there was a TV show called Les Guignols de l'Info in France, which basically translates to the news puppets. It used to be broadcasted before dinner around 7 p.m. or something like that. And it was basically eight minutes every day of puppets following the news. The puppets were famous people, celebrities, and they were using those celebrities and puppets to talk about the news of the day. So, for example, they used to use Sylvester Stallone quite a lot to depict the American superpower and its questionable decisions, especially during the Gulf War and all of that. And... His puppet had a massive nose, a raspy voice. I mean, he was definitely a massive caricature of Sylvester Stallone. I also remember George W. Bush, who was depicted as a dumbass with a nasal voice. A bit like in this clip. My name is you, W. Willem au pistolet. Le pire, c'est que c'est pas du cinéma. C'est vraiment lui qui doit sauver le monde. Pistolet. Coco pistolet. My name is you, W. As I said, they covered difficult topics, sensitive topics like the Gulf War, Osama bin Laden, Saddam Hussein, the Iraq War. I mean, nothing was really off limits. And this TV show was very memorable. All of those famous people were not as dumb as they were portrayed. They didn't have such big nose. They didn't have exaggerated features, but they were caricature. And the very act of caricaturing those people and to tell the news was a much easier way for people to relate to and remember. By simplifying those personalities with caricature, you only focus on a few traits, you reduce the ones that are not memorable and you only focus on a few. And that makes it much easier for people to recall. And that's the topic I wanted to talk about today because that's the issue we face 
with brands, with our brands, whether you're a solopreneur, a freelancer, or part of a bigger company. There is so much clutter, and you want to pass through the four great filters of marketing. You want to be noticed, you want to be remembered, you want to be remembered in buying situation, and you want to be talked about. And it's not enough to have just a good product, a good market. You're going to have to be distinctive in some way to be noticed and to go through the first filters. So it's not good enough to just pick a logo and spend three months designing it, a bunch of colors, and thinking that this is it, your branding is done. I think there's a lot to learn from the news puppets and a lot to learn about caricaturing yourself as a brand. So think of it as distinctive brand assets. That's a term coined by Jenny Romaniuk from the Herrenberg Bass Institute of Marketing Science. It's a collection of visual and audio assets that are engineered in the brand to be noticed and remembered by the people you seek to serve. And what's super interesting about this is that keeping a distinctive brand asset consistent means that each new exposure builds on the past. And the distinctive brand asset links strengthen in memory, making it easier for your category buyer to identify the brand in any situation. So there's a few types of distinctive brand asset and they go well beyond logos and colors and tagline. You can have color assets, right? Single colors, color combination, color and design. You can have word assets, taglines, fonts, even the very words you use. You can have story assets in the style you say that story, the components of that story or the moments inside that story. Human face assets like spokespeople, celebrities and characters. You can have music assets like jingles, background instrumental, popular songs. You can have shape assets, symbolic images, pack shapes, logos, and then sound, non-vocal, vocal or even styles. So as you can see, as you can hear, there's way more than just logos, way more than just colors when you think about distinctive brand assets in order to be noticed. And so like a caricature, to go through that clutter, you need to augment stuff. You need to pick a few and augment them to the point where they become a caricature of the brand. You can't take them for granted and you have to select a few. You also have to remove others. You have to do the emotional labor on behalf of your people, of your customers, of your category buyers, so that they instinctively remember you, notice you, because you've done the work for them. Just like the news puppet caricaturing Sylvester Stallone with a raspy voice and a big nose, they chose not to mention many, many details about his personality or even his face. So it's really about exploring the limits. It's really about engineering that on purpose so that you get through the four filters of marketing. So let me give you a few examples. I'm going to start with my own experience. As you know, I have a French accent. I come from France. And that's one of my first distinctive brand assets. Wasn't engineered. Didn't choose it really, but clearly when I moved to Ireland 10 years ago and I started to be a bit more visible and share content, that was something people remembered. I also started to say bonjour, bonjour all the time when I was introducing guests on my podcast. And frankly, I don't even remember why I did that. And yet, when I started doing this, I started to receive emails and like tweets and messages with people saying it back to me. I noticed that that was something, a distinctive brand asset I had to cultivate. The swearing as well, saying fuck all the time, not something I do day to day that much, to be honest, but it's definitely something that I've noticed people remember. And so I've doubled down on it. And then finally, if you've been on my website, and even if you look at the logo of the podcast, it tends to be red and dark color scheme. 
And so those four distinctive brand assets, I would say, are maybe the top ones. And as you notice, logos or color scheme is part of it, but there's way more to it. Another example would be Salt Bay, who's a Turkish restauranter with, you know, round sunglasses. One of his pictures went viral as a meme in 2017. And it went viral because of the way he would pour salt on the plates. Uh, so the salt will leave his hand and land on his forearm and then uh, land on the plate. Honestly, I don't think it was planned as a PR stunt or anything like that. I don't think he ever planned to go viral like he did. It was very random. It wasn't planned, but, and that's the smart thing about it, he tripled down on it. Clearly a very good marketer because nowadays he uses that single move and he still does it. And he still has his round sunglasses, the same white shirt, obviously the same type of white shirt. And clearly he understood what distinctive brand asset mean. Another one would be Jean-Claude Van Damme and his signature splits. That's something he cultivated early in his career in cinema, something he became very known for. Not only his split, but also his accent and also the way he tells stories, the way he goes off tangent and uses French words and English words together. I mean, clearly has a personality, clearly understands marketing, distinctive brand essence, even if he probably doesn't call them this way. And yet, this is a way for him to be noticed. So here is a sample of that distinctive brand asset used for a commercial for Volvo trucks. I've had my ups and downs, my fair share of bumpy roads and heavy winds. That's what made me what I am today. Now I stand here before you. What you see is a body crafted to perfection. A pair of legs engineered to defy the laws of physics. And a mindset to master the most epic of splits. Then, completely different world, we have the Danbury Trashers. They used to be an ice hockey team in Danbury, Connecticut. Founded by James Galante, who's a trash business owner who made millions uh, with it, and also a bit of a mafioso. He actually gave this new founded team to be managed by his 17-year-old son. And what I love about that story is how they use distinctive brand assets, cultivated it on purpose, and not only had brand assets that are like, I would say cold, like logos or whatever, but also their behavior as a brand was consistent with it. So their logo was an evil-looking trash can playing hockey. So they went all there. Their nickname were the Trashers. And their behavior as a brand, as a hockey team in and outside the field, was that they were very tough guys, they were fighting most games, and they were winning. They were trash-talking all the time. I mean, everything was consistent. And they actually won a lot of games. They nearly won the championship by just focusing on that. The last example I want to give you would be CompareTheMarket.com, which is an insurance comparison website. They went berserk with distinctive brand assets that were very random. They focused on meerkats because they realized that with a Russian accent, when you say compare the market, it sounds like compare the meerkat. And honestly, meerkats or Russia have absolutely nothing to do with insurance comparison website. And so that's a very clear lesson that not everything needs to make sense when you pick distinctive brand assets and not everything needs to be infused with meaning about your vision, your mission and whatnot. So here is to how to do it. Here is how to caricature your brand picking the right distinctive brand asset. 
the first step is to be visible. That's kind of the first thing. You can't really plan that in isolation on a Google Doc, Google Slide inside the team. You need to share stuff, share content, publish things, give your opinion in some way, shape or form. As a solopreneur freelancer, you might be terrified of being the face of your business. You might wonder what will others think of me, will they approve and whatnot. The main advice I can give you here is don't live by other people's standards, rules or opinions. It's normal to be afraid, but honestly, you won't find your brand, your distinctive brand assets or your voice in the shadows. As a bigger brand, you probably have shipped a lot of things. There's probably a lot of stuff that are visible so you can move on to the next step. The next thing I would ask is ask your best customers, what do you love the most about us? What are the things that you absolutely love about us? It could be about the product itself, about the way you talk. What are the things that they've already noticed and that they remembered? What are the things that they tend to really associate with you? I would call that your uniqueness and that's something you can't take for granted. So ask them that on interviews, in surveys, Pay attention to what they remember and what they love. And then the third step would be to pay attention to what they pay attention to. Not by asking them directly, but remembering what come back to you like a boomerang. Like what are the things that they say back to you? What are the things that seem to energize them? Especially the most random things. Maybe one of your colleagues on a video had a dog in the background and everyone commenting on that dog. It could be as simple as that. It could be as small as that. Pay attention to what comes back to you. Pay attention to the things they notice. And then list all of those potential distinctive brand assets down. The fourth step will be to build a swipe file of distinctive brands. Ask yourself, why did I pay attention to this brand, to this artist, to this group? Why are they different? Why did I pay attention to it? And try to deconstruct it looking at the different types of distinctive brand assets I told you before. Why did you pay attention to them? Sometimes this is how you get a lot of ideas on how to like replicate and, and use those lessons for your own brand. And then step five, I would say, is to explore the fucking limits. Meaning pick a few, don't pick too many distinctive brand assets. You have to do the emotional labor on behalf of your customers. They won't remember everything. You need to double down on a few and keep them fresh and consistent. Meaning don't change them every six months because you're sick of them. Your people won't be sick of it. Keep them fresh, meaning making sure to show up regularly with the exact same distinctive brand assets over and over again. And in the world of Seth Godin in his book, Purple Cow, explore the limits. What if you're the cheapest, the fastest, the slowest, the hottest, the coldest, the easiest, the most efficient, the loudest, the most hated, the copycat, the outsider, the hardest, the oldest, the newest, the most. If there's a limit, you should, or you must, test it. So yes, be a caricature of your own brand. Feel free to augment specific aspects, reduce others, do the emotional labor on behalf of your customers so that they notice you, they remember you, they remember you in buying situation and they talk about you. And I want to finish by yet another quote from Seth Godin of one of his articles that he shared more than 15 years ago at this stage about caricature in particular. He said, coloring inside the lines and pleasing most of your customers most of the time almost guarantees you'll be bland. It's a lot cheaper and faster and more effective to have a big nose. That's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. I'm pouring my heart and soul into this. Uh, it will mean a lot to me if you check out the newsletter that goes with this podcast at everyonehatesmarketers.com. I send this newsletter every Tuesday. It's packed with very practical step-by-step -step 
actionable ways for you to radically stand out. And when you sign up, you also get access to a free eight lesson course on the same topic. All right, see you on the other side. And that's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm super, super grateful. I'd love for you to consider subscribing to my daily newsletter, Monday to Friday, called Stand the Fuck Out Daily. I send very short, hopefully interesting, surprising, shocking, entertaining content to help you stand the fuck out. It's at everyonehatesmarketers.com. You can subscribe for free and obviously unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm just going to read a couple of emails that I got recently as a reply. Juma said, your content attacks the mind primarily, which is such a good thing because most of us are skilled at what we do, but we don't have the courage to do it our way. Mark, who just subscribed a couple days before, said, this is my first issue of your newsletter. Love it. Glad I subscribed. Brianna said, I just realized this morning that my email habit is now to one, skim through the list, two, select all unread industry email except yours, three, delete and don't think twice, four, quickly skim yours. Amy said, also loving the new content that's coming from you. It feels really lovely. Candle said, I like your writing a lot. It really resonates. There's so much bullshit out there. It's good to touch the authentic. And Chloe said, where is the I fucking love this email button? Brilliant. I hope you subscribe. You'll be joining more than 14,000 subscribers at this stage, which is crazy. It's the size of a small stadium. Anyway, thank you so much. See you on the other side.